Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Astrologer Mark Lerner graduated from Michigan State University, as my sisters did, with high honors and a B.A. in social science. In 1972, he completed an intensive one-year training course in professional astrology and began his career. Hearing how they summoned other dimensions to grow thriving gardens in the barren soils of northern Scotland, Mark joined the Finhorn community back in 1976. He came back to the United States in 1980 and eventually published the Welcome to Planet Earth journal, which has reached thousands of astrological students and pros all around the world. It became well-respected as one of the top periodicals concerning what they call mundane astrology, and that's focusing on the higher destiny of nations, humanity, and good old Earth. His website, greatbearenterprises.com, linked up for you at coasttocoastam.com. Mark, welcome to the program. Always great having you on. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be back on, George. What was it about astrology that captured your attention back there in 1972? Oh, boy. Uh, I told the story a little bit, but I was my dad was a doctor. I, I didn't focus when I was at Michigan State on following through with that. After I graduated, didn't know what I wanted to do. At one point, he got very, very ill, decided I'd go to Columbia University for a summer training in chemistry. And on the first day of taking a chemistry class in June of 72, as I was coming home, walked into a bookstore, and I saw a book called Astrology, the Space Age Science. And I opened it up. I wound up buying it. It was all about a Copernicus, Kepler, Galileo, and Sir Isaac Newton, and the book was describing how these great physicists were fantastic before the, before Einstein, but, but the uh, biographers who wrote about all these great physicists and astronomers said they had one fatal flaw. They all were believers in astrology. And so that hooked me in right at the beginning, and that started all my reading in astrology. Well, you're one of the best at it, and uh, you make it very understandable for a lot of people. You've almost turned it into a science, haven't you? Well, I always hesitate to use that word because fundamentally with science, again, I just brought up these physicists and so on, where you have all those rules where you can kind of reproduce everything in science, whereas what happens with astrology, we do have these orbits and returns, for instance, the the largest planet, Jupiter, has almost exactly a 12-year cycle. The second largest planet has a cycle of about 29 years. And so astrologers focusing on individual charting, which I also have done for almost 50 years now, or the mundane Earth national, international astrology, we're always dealing with, is history repeating itself? And I'm sure we'll be talking about that during this hour with all the things going on around the country and around the sure. world. But the thing is, is that while these cycles do repeat, and we often have a kind of history repeating itself, you don't get all the planets coming back at the same time period. So it's very hard to sort of say, you know, scientifically, everything is back to where it was. However, if we were to change the definition of what really science is, I think astrology would be considered and will eventually be considered a science. What contributes the most to astrology, planetary alignments or star systems? Oh, well, you know, if you go back a couple of thousand years, when we might call those people magi, astronomer, astrologers, the great thing about going back to Egypt and Greece and Rome and India and China, 
couple thousand years ago, they didn't have the smog, they didn't have all of these distractions. So the pageantry of the heavens, it was more of connection to stars. They didn't have telescopes. I mean, we, of course, you know from your work uh, on the History Channel and everything else that you've done, that if we go back to Atlantis, Edgar Cayce teachings, Rudolf Steiner, the Theosophical Society, a lot of my work with what's called lucistrust.org and Fintorn, we get these records, right? What was really happening with the Great Pyramid? You know, what was Atlantis? ETs, UFOs, and and perhaps there have been these great civilizations, which I firmly believe in. I, I'm sure you, it's not even a question of belief anymore, is it, George? I mean, we no, have, we it's, have it's not. Pre- pretty much the facts. Anybody who's tuned into the the ancient aliens and all of your series and all of your guests, I mean, the, the proof is there. We've had a strange couple of years, Mark. Are we going to pull out of it in 2022? Well, um, I, I realize I'm on in an unusual way tonight, but I think that there's a reason because, I mean, I believe that there is a spiritual, invisible world above and beyond ours. I know you do, too, and yep. you've written all about it, and you shared about it so much. And the same thing in my background, um, we're currently, for the United States, having, and it, we, this has been a prelude the last year or so, um, during the, the last election, the battle between the Republicans and the Democrats, the, the the situation was, for the United States, we usually use a chart for July 4th, 1776, the Declaration of Independence. Most astrologers use that. I've used that for 40 to 50 years now. And what, what two things have been happening. The outer planet Neptune has been opposite our Neptune. That planet Neptune, as astrologers now know, is in Pisces, a water sign. But when the country was founded in 1776, Neptune was in the opposite sign, Virgo. So last year, and sort of building up in 2020, 2021, our country has been going through what we call an oppositional polarity between Neptune, the ancient god of the seas, which has a lot to do with psychic sensitivity, spirituality, but also just vast forces with the economy and with the pandemic and other things like that, the world teetering you know, with Ukraine and Europe and the Far East and North Korea, Iran, and so on. When we have a long cycle like this of Neptune, the last time we had that, George, and that's the prelude to this year, that was in the 1850s, right before the Civil War. Hmm. And now we're moving into a new wave, and it's happening in the next two weeks, where Pluto, you know, the astronomers said, oh, Pluto's a dwarf planet. That was back in 2005 when they, when they had their conference. They kind of downgraded it, right? Yeah, they downgraded it, you know, but now they're regretting it. And even a lot of the people who voted at that point saying, you know, all the, they made up all these rules. Well, the planet has to be bigger. It has to have uh, these, these distances and all these other things. What they did do, though, when they demoted Pluto, which astrologers have never accepted, they raised up Ceres, the first asteroid, and said, well, Ceres is actually more powerful it's exactly in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter where there should be a planet. Remember Tom Van Flanderen? Mm-hmm. God, God rest his soul. This guy who yeah. passed away, bless his soul. And he was on a number of times uh, with you, and I believe with Art Bell before that. Yep. It, and, and so this has been a big part of my work. It's in my podcast, what's called Astroscope, back at Great Bear Enterprises. You know, people can tune into all that. Meanwhile, I've also been talking about, and I'll be sharing much more about this, Pluto coming back for the first time ever, and it starts uh, 
February 20th and 21st, and then we'll have a second point of this wave in August, and then another point in December. So it's kind of like a football game of Neptune's been the quarterback for the last year and a half, which is a very dicey thing for the United States. Now it's handing the ball off to Pluto, the god of the underworld in mythology. And so mythology sort of converges with astrology and numerology and the cosmos and everything you're talking about. And now these two faraway planets for the U.S. are sort of been doing a number on us, and they're not the same thing of what most people, all the listeners out there, you know, who know their sun sign. Maybe they know, as I've shared before, where their moon is and some of their planets in their chart. But what's harder to do for any of us as individuals, George, or even a world leader, or whether we say NATO or the Warsaw Pact or different groups, you know, uh, all these different entities, the United Nations, is how do you access and sort of control these faraway planets? They don't behave the same way as using your sun sign or your moon sign or the planet Mercury, Venus, or Mars, which are more individual and more personally usable by each individual. It's amazing work that you do. And when you come up with an astrological report, are they things that will be or could be? Okay, this gets back to, we've had this discussion before, which I think is really crucial. So many people out there have this belief, a false belief, of what astrology is, both in in the religious world and in the scientific world, where they think astrologers don't know what the heck they're doing because how can you believe that these planets far away are making you fall down a flight of stairs or controlling your destiny? What it's all about is that at the moment of your birth, your first breath, This is why the time of birth is often very crucial in doing individual charting or for a world leader or when a president is inaugurated, somebody gets a job, and you want to find the rising sign. What's important is that the planets are not making us do things, but what happens is is that the chart, okay, of sun, moon, various planets, at the moment that something starts is like a spiritual genetic code that's inside of you. So it's kind of like a resonance. So Jupiter is not sending down some kind of ray from whatever sign it's in or whatever constellation or Saturn. They're not pulling the strings. We're not puppets, okay? We have the capacity, if we learn astrology and understand the principles of the zodiac and the planets and the sun and moon and the alignments that they have and these factors like Pluto or Neptune, whatever's happening for the U.S. or cycles for the whole world, then we can educate ourselves, and then we control our destiny. Uh, Or at least we have the capacity through knowledge and wisdom to do that a lot better than than sort of sitting back and whatever happens, happens. Next half hour, I'm going to ask you about some world events, Mark, through the eyes of an astrologer, and I want you to tell me what you think. Is that fair? Yeah, sure. And then we'll take phone calls in our last hour with you, but it is amazing how it works. Now, if you had 10 different astrologers looking at the same alignments, would you come up with 10 different possibilities? I guess it depends on how, what question would be asked, okay, uh, of those astrologers. Uh, One of the astrologers who's written a whole lot, his name is Rob Hand, uh, and so he's put out a lot of books. And I remember him saying certain things like, um, when you do a chart or when you're looking at a cycle, you have to look at more than just where the planet is. In other words, what is the planet doing? 
what what are the alignments that are actually happening? And in astrology, another big thing is how exact are the alignments? Are the alignments approaching, which is what's called an applying aspect, where it's getting stronger? Is it separating where it's already happened? And then also another thing that maybe a lot of modern astrologers don't always do, which I do because I've been doing it for 50 years and we didn't have computers 50 years ago, is that we have we have these books called ephemerides. And, and so I have one book in front of me for the 100 years from the year 1900 to 2000. Now I have another book that goes from 2000 to 2100. So we can actually look decades into the future. We can look way back in the past, and now we have computers. But to answer that point, um, it really depends on what tools you're using. An astrologer uses many different tools now. There's what's called astrocartography. We can move people from where they were born if they want to know about moving to another place for wealth or love or uh, business. Um, there's so many different tools that are different now. So depending on the question, it all depends on the tools that each individual astrologer used to get to the answer. Okay, so it's conceivable you'll get different reports. Right. Like, in other words, some like, for instance, I would be, call myself, like, in, my dad was a general practitioner as a doctor, like what we call a primary care physician. And then you have an astrology specialist. So there are many astrologers who specialize in, say, financial astrology. And I know a lot about financial astrology. I've studied so many things of the stock market crash, 1929. I'm always looking at uh, Bitcoin and these different changes and the Fed and the Treasury Department and other currencies and so on. But I would not call myself necessarily the foremost financial astrologer in the world. And, you know, I don't even know if, if, if we, we have one or two people, but we have certainly people who specialize in that. We have medical astrology, as I said, astrocartography, mapping, and, and moving charts around, whether for people or leaders. So I'm familiar with all of these things, and so if people come to me for a particular reading, whether it's, and I have seven different kinds on my website to do consultations, I can do an individual chart uh, for, an in, for just one person. I can do compatibility. If a person wants to know more about money, if they want to know more about relationship, if they want to know more about health, then I, then I always get information from each person in their own words, like what's going on. Because fundamentally, I, I think of astrology, George, as I'm a problem solver. I'm a problem resolver. And I'm trying to understand what when people send me information, how can I help them to use their chart and their transits or progressions, which are their cycles, so that they feel more confident that they're going to get over the next top and, and, and be more successful. Mark, how old is astrology? Thousands of years. I mean... Back when we talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know how, I mean, the words have changed forever, but you hear the story of the three wise men or the magi, well, those people were astrologers or astronomers. When, they, when they'd say, well, we've seen the star of, of, of the Messiah, the baby Jesus, and they follow, you know, th that whole storyline. We don't even know exactly what the Star of Bethlehem was, although we, we do, many people, including scientists, think it was a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, the two largest planets, and even with the planet Mars, there was a triple conjunction uh, during 7 B.C. So there's, there's even a book called The Star of Bethlehem, uh, written by a researcher who's not an astrologer. So there's all kinds of fascinating things about comets, about um, just the, all the sky patterns, they go back thousands of years. It's, 
utterly fascinating. Astrologer Mark Lerner with us. We're going to take calls with Mark next hour here on Coast to Coast. And after the break, we're going to talk about a number of world events and get Mark's thoughts on that through the eyes of an astrologer. It, it, it must be fun, though, for you to see these things happen and, God forbid, good or bad, to see them come true. Well, I have always been an internal optimist, even, even these days, which can seem very difficult, because I grew up, as you did, you know, the, with Walter Cronkite and Huntley and Brinkley and kind of 25 minutes of news on black-and-white television, yeah. and now with the 24-7, there's just so much of an immensity and explosion of information. I don't know if, you know, our minds can handle all of that, but I'm still an optimist when it comes down to solving these problems, like in Europe, with Ukraine, with, with uh, the Middle East, North Korea. I mean, it's tense, and there's a lot of fear, and I can see the astrology of why that is. I just hope that the world leaders sort of figure out what, what's in the best interest of the people of the world. Have you ever gotten through an ast- astrological chart, the event, wrong? You said one thing and the other thing happened? Um, well, again, you see, it gets back to even Carl Jung, and I know we'll have a break here in a moment, but he was Carl Jung was not only a, a psychiatrist and a master psych- psychologist, but he studied the charts of married people. Uh, quite extensively, and he's the one who said, whatever happens at a moment of time has the qualities of that moment, and um, also sort of tuning into the idea of fate versus destiny. And he had a very, very challenging birth chart, Um, and if one looked at his actual chart, if he was like 20 years old, he was born in 1875, I think an astrologer looking at his chart might have said to a Carl Jung at 20 years old, boy, you're, you're going to have a challenging life. But he changed it all around. He took patterns, what we call square patterns of the sun, to Neptune and moon to Uranus, and he did this incredible life story in so many different areas. So um, th- that sort of answers your question. It's like you can look at a chart, but you don't know whether the person can master their stars, so to speak. And I think with a lot of hard work, any person, no matter what they've heard from any astrologer can turn things around and use difficult patterns to be incredibly successful. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.